a true visionary will will take action, see what happens with the idea, and maybe it's the right time, maybe it isn't. But a true visionary will will do it. They will do it. The business owner, the business owner, the human, the consultant will wait on it fifteen years. Uh, ready, aim, 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 and then they, it, nothing will ever get fired. And then those are those, you know, nothing ever happens. The visionary will fire for the most part. Fire, 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 fire. Aim, no aiming. Maybe ready, and that's what. And then that's the only way to actually learn something is to see what happens. You are listening to Chatting with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Horbach. Before we come into the episode, I'm going to give you your weekly reminder to make sure you hit that like and subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode and that you can also help us with the algorithm, help us with charting. And if you have not left a five-star review to do that either now or at the end of the episode, you can do it more than once. And that also helps us out more than you know. If you want to support the podcast, you can check out our sponsors and affiliates below. Or you can go to chattingwithcandice.com and click that little link that says buy me coffee or sign up for our Patreon account. This week, we have Justin Breen joining the podcast. Justin is an international best-selling author. His most recent book, Epic Life, How to Build a Collaborative Global Company While Putting Your Loved Ones First. What an incredible mission. He has one of the most fascinating brains of anyone that I've ever met. My husband and I connected us, and I'm so glad that he did. This episode is not going to disappoint, so please help me welcome Justin Breen. Justin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, when we first got connected through my husband, I was like, I don't know why what he's going to find curious about me. Like He goes to all of these entrepreneur conventions, and he's talking about moonshots and how to change the world. And I took a whole bunch of personality tests, or I guess <laughs> we took Colby and a couple others, and you're like, oh my gosh, you're a visionary. And my husband and I were both shocked. Um, but I, after our talk, I realized how unique I think your perspective is on people and relationships. And I love the mission of the new book. So, I mean, let's just jump into it. Welcome to the show. Yeah, this will be um, a fascinating conversation. Uh, really wanted to thank you for recommending Outwitting the Devil, the Napoleon Hill book. Uh, I've listened to that and read it, which I I don't think I've ever done that with any other book. And it's just a fascinating. Uh, besides Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl, I'd say it's my favorite book of all time. I mean, there's so many lessons in that. But um, so thank you for recommending that. What was your favorite part of Outwitting the Devil? Wow. Well, simplify. <laughs> We're both simplifiers. I think that most of the world... Uh, most humans, they're drifters. They're drifting around, um, letting fear get in the way. And then visionaries, uh, visionaries who are changing the world, they're not letting fear get in the way and they're not drifting. They're focused on creating true value and purpose. And uh, to dovetail that, uh, Napoleon Hill says it's uh, two out of a hundred that are not controlled by the devil or controlled mm -hmm. by fear or controlled by drifting, I think it's far less than two out of a hundred. I'd say it's one out of a thousand. Um, wow. That are truly, yeah, because our, our companies focus on visionaries who live in abundance and who look at things as investments, not costs. I'd say that's one out of a thousand, but that, you know, most folks live in 
they live in scarcity, not abundance. And so one out of a thousand, if there are 8 billion people that there's eight, there are 8 million, I'd say there's 8 million folks like us, and then they create everything that helps everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's gotten worse with technology and kind of the world Mm. seeming smaller and we have the development of AI and maybe lack of purpose. And if mm. that's creating more drifters and more fear and more hesitation. That's a fascinating perspective. Um, I think um, COVID and, uh, and technology have shortcutted, shortcutted the ability, like how are we talking right now? Um, but I, I strongly feel you're either born like this or you're not. I think most people would choose to be born like this, but they're not, you know, they're not born like that. Um, but if you are born like that, you can work on your mindset, mindset every single day and then attract more people with that mindset. But people like us are usually aliens within their own family, community and verticals. The only people that understand us are top entrepreneurs on planet. I, I would say technology has brought those aliens closer together, but I think you're either born an alien or you're not. So can you get closer to it or can you learn to mimic it? And then what role, I guess, does like plasticity play into any of it? That's just, that's okay. So here, wow, that's, that's, that's a high level. That's a high level uh, follow-up question. So where I think you can learn, you can learn as being around people like us, but most people aren't, they're not like us. So I'll give you an example. So like, um, I was always talking like this. I mean, I was all, I was always talking like this just for most of my life, people didn't understand what I was talking about and I didn't understand what they were complaining about or why they were drifting. I had no, or what, why they were letting fear get in the way. So, uh, understanding that the only people who understood what I was talking about were top entrepreneurs, visionaries on planet. That took most of my life to figure that out. Um, but once I found them, it two becomes four, four becomes eight, eight becomes a hundred, a hundred becomes a thousand. Like there's, there are no limits to that. Well, I guess maybe 8 million, but, um, to me, that's really no, that's really no limits, but no, I, I strongly feel I strongly feel like you're either born like this or you're not. Like, I think most people would, I think most people would choose to make as much money as you want to hang out with, you know, family and loved ones, do what you like to do and what you're good at. But, um, there are four things for my, my brain turns everything to patterns, but, uh, everything, all I do is talk to people like us and turn it into patterns. But there are four things that separate people like us from people who aren't like us. Four things are bankruptcy or potential bankruptcy Two, depression three highest level of anxiety you can imagine, and four likely and or possible traumatic experiences as a child or young adult. So the drifters, the ones who let fear get in the way, they're, they're, those four things are excuses. And then people like us, you know, figure it out. I mean, that's what it, that's what entrepreneur, visionary, non-drifter life is really about. Um, so I think you're either born with the, the uh, coping skills to overcome those things or you're not and then for the people that are born with them i guess is it easier for them to undo so let's say you have an immense amount of childhood trauma and then that can kind of mimic a scarcity mindset so let's say you are a visionary but it's being clouded by something that hasn't been broken through yet so is that easier to break through 
when you do have the proclivity for resilience versus someone who doesn't have the resilience gene? Because some people say that there is a gene for resilience. There are a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. The, um, well, uh, uh, Dr. Doug Brackman, who wrote the book Driven, uh, that's one of the assessments I sent you, but mm-hmm. he wrote a, he wrote literally that book about how there's a, you know, the driven brain, that type of genetic brain. He says it's 10% of the population. Again, I feel it's far less than that. And maybe it is 10% that have some of the genes, but like people like us, it's far less than one out of 10. I mean, one out of 10 humans are not like us. There's no, <laughs> no, 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 no. But, um, but so they, they have the gene, but here, here's again, what I've seen. So all I do literally is talk to visionaries that one out of a thousand, it wasn't always that way, but it is now. And then I hear blah, 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 and simplify it into patterns. So where I, what I see your question turning into is that entrepreneurs are the most damaged people with the best coping skills, the most damaged, the most of those, all four of those four things the most trauma, bankruptcy, potential bankruptcy, depression, anxiety, but then the coping skills, they have the highest IQ, the highest EQ, the most courage. And then where I see what I see many of them, not all, but many of them, what I see them do is they create massive company, massive wealth, massive amount of cars, massive amount of employee, massive travel around the world. And then many times, not always, but many times at the expense of family time, having a family, meaningful relationships, living in, living in purpose. And so that's why that, that's literally why I wrote Epic Life. It's about how to build collaborative global companies while putting your loved ones first. So I think that's what people like us want. They just, they're so damaged. Many times they, they bypass family or, or meaning to create massive company wealth. I mean, that's what I see over and over and over and over and over. There's that quote that that's um great men are usually are are rarely great fathers and it's a devastating quote when i the hear worst, that the worst thing i've ever heard that's the worst thing yeah it's it i understand that's the worst that, thing i've ever heard that's that makes me sick to hear that sick yeah and i heard it on um like rogan was talking about it on a <sighs> podcast ages ago and they were using biden as an example cuz obviously you know he's president of the country. He's been politi- like had a very successful p- political career for the majority of his life and you see kind of the the issues with his son and like that relationship. So his son is obviously like lacking. Like there's something ha- that wasn't given to him in his childhood because you don't end up with like addiction and all of those kind of issues because you had a lovey-dovey childhood or you had a great role model or you know parents were there for you all of that. So hmm. how how do you create global companies while still putting your family first? Because I think we were raised on this idea that you ha- it's a payoff. Like you have to sacrifice exactly. for your family. And then what ends up happening is you sacrifice your family. Right. So we just <laughs> we just said the same thing. <laughs> we said the same thing in different ways. We said the same thing. So um th- it's very interesting. Uh you mentioned uh president um there's one vertical i literally ignore complete i completely ignore it no matter who's in charge i don't i never even think about it unless someone brings it up but uh we partner with visionaries who live in abundance and who look at things as investments not costs that's it mm-hmm. so there's one vertical i literally ignore and, it, and it's politics it's not because mm-hmm. i don't like it it's just it's the opposite of visionary abundance investment mindset it's mm-hmm. argue instead of it's argue instead of do anything it's what does this program cost instead of, so i just think i ignore it 
I can believe, and then uh, entrepreneur is going to get stuff done no matter who's in charge. That's it. That's irrelevant. So that, I just literally totally ignore it. But um, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, what that quote you said uh, really made me think about this, and it made and it disgusted me in a in a good way. But so Jimmy Johnson won multiple Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, national champion coach with uh, Miami Hurricanes football, and uh, he wrote a book. He's a, a, a TV analyst, a star TV analyst, studio guy, I think on Fox. But um, So he wrote a book uh, about his life, and um, he's, he said this, and I was like, wow, this is amazing, but not surprising. He, he goes, he wrote it for two reasons. He goes, one, he's had a lot of interesting stories in his life, you know, winning Super Bowls and stuff. And then the second reason, which almost made me vomitous the way your quote did, He's like, oh, I wrote it as an apology to my family because I never saw them. And I'm like, that's a that's a that's the most miserable person I've ever met because that's what I'm talking about. They have all this stuff, most damaged, best coping skills. So they have all this stuff and then they torch their family in the process. Okay, so thanks for saying that. It doesn't surprise me. So and again, this is why I wrote the book there. And there are there are 30 reasons or 30 chapters, 30 answers to that how to build collaborative global companies while putting your loved ones first. I, I'll say the one that really stands out to me is the chapter um, winning the wrong game, winning the wrong game. And your quote was winning the wrong game, the Jimmy Johnson story that's winning the wrong game. So these folks are very smart. Entrepreneurs are all very smart, whether they went to school or not, but their IQ is usually, and EQ are off the charts. But that one question, what game are you actually winning? Uh, because most entrepreneurs, they don't even think about it. They're you know, they're focused on material things, not meaningful. And so asking what game actually matters is the first step of actually realizing what game you're, what game you're winning. Um, that's the first step. The other, well, there's 30, but the other is I found not always, and um, you're an exception for sure, but um, in a good way, but people like us usually, but not always marry stabilizing humans. Not always, <laughs> obviously, but usually, usually my wife's a pediatrician. Pure stabilizing human. By the way, she's also become uh, the COO of uh, Second Company, which is exclusive connectivity platform. I never thought she would want to do that, but she was like, oh, hey, I'd like to be the COO of your second company and pays out of pediatrics. I'm like, oh, great, thanks. Great idea. That would be amazing. But so what I have found is the equivalent to marrying a stabilizing human, if you haven't or if you have, is having a stabilizing, abundant mindset, abundance and grateful mindset, having that mindset of gratitude constantly. So the, the first thing I do every day is a grateful journal to my wife, what I'm grateful for her every single day. Most important thing for her is for someone to say thank you to her. So, so I do that. Six days a week, uh, we live in Chicago, so terrible weather most of the time. So six days a week for the last 20 years, I've run outside between three and five miles every day. Uh, and then listen to shows like these while I'm running or listening to Outwitting the Devil while I'm running. So you're feeding brain, heart, lungs, muscles, whatever, with positive content and positive air and energy. And then five days a week, grateful journal on, on LinkedIn, what I'm grateful for that day. And I'll include this interview in that. But I found if you're constantly grateful, it's really hard to be ungrateful. It's, it's it does happen sometimes, but it's really hard. And then that gratitude 
that gratitude attracts other grateful people, other confident, grateful people, and it repels arrogant, repels arrogance, ungrateful. I love gratitude journals. I think it's such a good practice that not right. enough people do. And it. Right. I think there is some kind of quantum magic to it as well, which is like there the is. more you're focusing on that, the more abundance actually shows up and the more opportunities show up. And it seems yes. like woo-woo or it seems like, no, it's not. It, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't exist or it's a fable, but everyone that does it says nothing but the benefits and how it has changed their life. So it's like, what is the worst that's going to happen is that you spend a couple minutes journaling either <laughs> bef- before bed or when you wake up. It's like, right. try, it's try it before you you discount it. Well, it's an interesting thing that you said woo. Um, in Strength <laughs> Finders, like there's a, a woo in Strength Finders, which is winning others over. I didn't even know what that meant, but woo. I'm like very low in woo. So like, and and dead last in empathy, second to last in includer. Um, for people like us, I have endless empathy and inclusion, but like I am not a feelings type of, I'm, I'm a pure execution doer, doer, doer. So like, it's not about woo. It's about like, this is my brain turns everything into patterns and mm-hmm. good patterns become good habits. And then I was in a, an entrepreneur room the other day, a strategic coach, great, great entrepreneur group. Your husband and I met in Abundance 360, which is also an incredible entrepreneur group. But we were talking about patterns and habits. And then uh, it was a fascinating group discussion. And then through that, I realized the best habits become the best rituals. So patterns become habits, and then the very best habits become the best rituals. So the uh, grateful journal to my wife, that's a a ritual. The running outside six days a week and listening to shows like that, that's a ritual. And then the grateful journal on LinkedIn, that's a ritual. And I think having that grateful mindset is 100% a ritual. And then that just attracts other grateful people. I wonder what my woo is. I don't know if I looked at that, but that would be- Did you send it to me? I, I'll have to take it. I went to take that print test and it's linked to PayPal and I'm Ooh. banned on all PayPal for I didn't know that. Oh, thanks for Yeah. Coming. So I couldn't I couldn't check out and then it got <laughs> my IP and now it was like you can't you can't access this. It's like, damn it, I have to go on Eric's phone now and create another email. Because I do want to take it. I thought that was interesting when you were talking about your what your score and your wife's score because yes. it's just a really cool way to to have a tangible visual of what is like making your relationship dynamic work and then what's also maybe making it not work so that you can improve upon it in a way that doesn't feel personal. So it's not like like your partner's coming at you with a personal attack. It's oh, like, no, these right. are our strengths and weaknesses and how can we figure this out to optimize the relationship? Well, one, thanks for saying that. Two, I can help provide, even though I'm very low in context, I, I can provide that in this case with actual with an actual answer, at least three quarters of it. So your husband is a four three print. So four is to like find harmony and, and love and that kind of stuff. So he's a he, that's a feeler. And then three is to succeed and achieve. So he's a feeler doer. Okay, that's your husband. I'm guessing you're some mix of feeler doer. You're definitely you. If you're not an eight, which is strong and self reliant, and then maybe some type of the feeling ones, I would be. I mean, if you're not an eight, I'd be flabbergasted. (laughs) I mean, it would be so strong and self reliant. You're like that. I could be wrong. It's unconscious motivators, but like you're like the ultimate eight. Okay, so I am an eight three. 
this is not me saying this, even though I'm saying it, but um, in the really highest level entrepreneur groups, most of them are eight threes. So eight is to be strong and self-reliant and three is to succeed and achieve. So there's no overfeeling, no overthinking. There's execute, 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 which would make sense. I would get, if Elon Musk is not an eight three, I would be, or a three eight, succeed and achieve strong and self-reliant. I'd be, I mean, okay. So, and then my wife, a pediatrician who decided to become COO, uh, her decision, not mine. Uh, she is a two six. So two is to be needed and appreciated. And six is to feel safe and secure. So that's a feeler thinker. And so you, now again, not always, usually doer doers are married to feeler thinkers or feeler feelers or thinker thinker, a stabilizing human. So your husband is a feeler doer. I'm guessing you're a doer feeler or a doer doer. Interesting. Yeah. So use his name to take it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Have you ever been super wrong about someone's assessment where you you look at them and you're like, you're Completely this- wrong? Yeah. No. Never. No, never. No. That's no. so fascinating. No. I know. So, oh, so that's, your, your brain's amazing. But the, um, so things that a monkey and a child can do, I'm, I'm useless. Like, I don't know how to hold a pencil and like I do, but it's really hard. And like tying my shoes is very difficult. And like in these interviews, even though I'm looking at the screen now, I never look at the screen. I'm like staring around, looking in space. but. So my life's purpose is to be purpose of life is to be connecting superhero for every visionary, visionary, not human, not business owner, not consult visionary who shares their stories with the world, the their world. I very confusing has always been. confusing. So for people like us, endless understanding and wanting to understand people like us and endless, endless empathy, endless inclusion. And then I've talked to so many people like us, I see the patterns and then it's like, oh, here's here's your answer. Mm -hmm. So what has happened through most of my life learning about people like us, I know more about people like us than the people themselves. Like I can talk to someone like you and know more about you than than you do probably because I literally talk to thousands upon thousands of you and then regular humans, they, I'm bored by it. It's annoying to me because they're <laughs> making excuses. So, so that's why I'm never wrong. Yeah, because you have enough pattern to recognize the patterns that here's the answer. Every now and then there's an anomaly, mm -hmm. but like not a giant, not a giant uh, miss. Mm -hmm. So what are some characteristics of a visionary if someone's trying to figure out, am I okay. in this category or am I not? Okay. And just as background for those who want a deep dive, chapter two of Epic Life is the perfection of patterns. Okay. So it's a deep dive on this answer. And again, all I do is talk to people like us and blah, 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 answer, blah, 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 pattern, blah, 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 pattern. Okay. So in terms of uh, Colby, K-O-L-B-E, that's how your brain takes action. Uh, I don't care what someone's personality is. I want to know if they're going to do something. Overwhelming majority of visionaries, again, not business owner, not consultant, not, not human, not, not a visionary. Visionary is at least an eight quick start, uh, urinate quick start, 10 is the highest. A 10 quick start in regular human world is one out of 200. Uh, in my world, it's like one out of 10. It's actually going down to like one out of nine. Um, I, I talked to so many 10s, but 
I'm a seven quick start. A seven or under can become a visionary occasionally, but they have to have extraordinarily high IQ and or EQ. They can game the system. More often than almost always, it's an eight, nine, or 10. Okay, so that's one. Most, most visionaries, not all, they have little to no follow through. So that's ADD, diagnosed or undiagnosed. That's not a disorder, sign of genius, mislabeled by humans who don't understand us. But, and then if they don't hire a million people, total disaster because there's no follow through. So I'm the very rare visionary that has high quick start and high follow. Say it, do it, say it, do it. Hit the gas pump today. Okay, so that's one. In Gallup, Clifton Strength Finders, um, uh, G A L L U P. Clifton Strength Finders. Most visionaries, again, not all, most of them have a mix of ideation and or futuristic. So they're often wherever that world is, but they have a mix of activator, maximizer, and or achiever. So they're often idea world, but they'll do something about it. They won't wait 300 years. They'll do it now. I'm almost dead last in ideation, very low and futuristic, but top three are activate, maximize, achieve. So blah, 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 simplify, activate, maximize, achieve, blah, 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 activate, maximize, connect. So, and then, so can keep up with the visionary and follow through. And then the third one is uh, print. Uh, Enneagram is similar. It's similar. Uh, most visionaries have at least an eight or three or both in them. So again, eight strong and self-reliant three is to succeed and achieve. I, if you don't have an eight, I'd be just completely shocked by that. Could be wrong though. So if you, if you are a visionary and especially if you are one that I feel like there's probably different, the gradient is probably pretty wide. So you have some people that are way out 3000 years ahead and some people that are maybe thinking 10 years ahead. But if you're one of those people further along, on that spectrum, is there any is there any way that you can kind of reel it in so you can take into it into yeah. account the zeitgeist and timing? Because sometimes mm. if you have an idea and society and culture are ideas are meaningless it, without action, right? Right. Or people that are ready ready to adopt it. That's correct. Bad bad time. So here, a true visionary will will take action. See what happens with the idea, and maybe it's the right time, maybe it isn't. But a true visionary will will do it. They will do it. The business owner, the business owner, the human, the consultant will wait on it fifteen years. Uh, ready, aim, 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 and then they it, nothing will ever get fired. And then those are those, you know, nothing ever happens. The visionary will fire for the most part. Fire, 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 fire. Aim, no aiming, maybe ready, and that's what. And then that's the only way to actually learn something is to see what happens. And then there's the, there's the adjustment. That's what it. That's what it is. And again, high quick start. High. That's what high quick start means. Is mean they'll, they'll take action. They'll take action to to see what happens. My litmus test is my. I wish I could have gotten his Colby, but um, he died in 1991 when I was 13. But and I didn't know what Colby was. But that. Uh, it's my father. My litmus test uh, is my dad. He was 61 when I was born, and um, he was World War II hero, shot down multiple times in combat, many times without a parachute, and he just got he would just get back into the plane. So that's really that's a, a litmus test for a visionary. I mean, you, that's what I, that's why I mean. I you have to be an eight, I would think, or a, a three in in your pyramid. Shot down multiple times, and I mean, you're. You, 
I mean, it's just amazing. Like your life is just so fascinating to me, and and uh, and your genetics too. Like your, yeah, I mean, Japanese, Jewish, English. What else are you? What else? Spanish. Span. I mean, like you're, thinking, you're an entrepreneur, a genetic, like a nationality brain. It's amazing. Yeah, there's amazing. a lot of fight in there. Oh, I mean, oh my god, <laughs> you have like Zen. I mean, think of the Spanish. Um, I'm Russian, Jewish, Spanish, but I don't have Japanese or the or the English. I don't have. I don't think I. Do. But my partner's Japanese Chinese for a second company. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. I wanted to ask you. Uh, I've heard you talk about the ADD and the ADHD a couple mm-hmm. of times. Is that what the Driven book is about? Yes. Yeah. And so Dr. Doug Brackman, that's like the definitive book on ADD, ADHD. Again, not a disorder. And then there are four types of visionaries, only four that I, again, pattern. So one is ADD, ADHD. Uh, Most of the, not all, most of the people I talk to have that. The second is uh, minor Asperger's. Uh, My wife, who's a pediatrician, has unofficially diagnosed me with that. I would I mean, my wife actually asked me to stop diagnosing people, but, (laughs) (laughs) but okay. So I'm, I'm sure I'm that three is dyslexia. 30% of high, there are multiple articles on this, but 30% of high performing entrepreneurs are dyslexic. They, they can't learn one way, um, or they can't read. So they go into, they put them in a different classroom and, or in the basement or whatever it is and figure it out. And then four uh, again, exceptionally high IQ and or EQ. So they're, you know, whatever spectrum that is, they're just not human. They're just human. So with, are you familiar with Gabor Mate's work and his? No, no, okay. tell me. So his opinion is, um, he's like this clinical psychologist. He talks a lot about, he got, I guess, really famous for addiction and his work mm-hmm. with ADD. It's yeah. his opinion that ADD and ADHD is ki- is more of a coping mechanism. It's not necessarily, mm-hmm. he agrees in the sense that it's not a disorder. <gasps> so wait a minute. So the entrepreneurs are most damaged people with best coping skills. So the ADD is the actual coping skill. Right. So he says, <sighs> based, like, if you think about a little kid and especially a parent, so a parent that is not providing like a sense of safety, what are your chances? You're in a room with the parent and um, you're you're feeling threatened or unsafe. What can you do? Well, you can't mm. fight back. You're too small. You small. can't run away because you're a minor and you still live at home. Most so you have damage. to, you, right. So you have to escape with within yourself. Which is so fascinating. It's okay. So again, like this is why I like doing. I mean, I like doing these interviews for multiple reasons, but this is the one I like the most because this is how I learn in real time. And doing this isn't. It's an action. This is doing something, and then this is how you learn because you talk, and then you actually learn. So I've always said entrepreneurs. Well, not always, but the last couple of years, entrepreneurs most damage people with best coping skills. The human. ADD disorder, that's the actual coping skill. That makes that makes sense because there's so much damage that creates the the coping skills. So I'll dove I'll dovetail that. I'll dovetail that. I think the trauma contributes to that. I do think some people are just born with that type of wiring, but a hundred percent the trauma would create that. And that would create the trauma and the damage as child would create the high level entrepreneur. I mean, that's what, again, that's what entrepreneur life is. And then the ones that 
go to prison or they don't, you know, they're all over the place and never amount to, you know, they don't achieve anything is because they don't have the IQ and or EQ. They don't, they don't have it. They, they just don't. Yeah. The book is called uh, Scattered Minds, if anyone wants to check it out. But that, I think that one's the one that's focused on ADD. And I thought that that's interesting because I took that driven test and I was pretty much like off of Right, which the, I thought you'd be right. The parameters, and I was like, okay, so I guess I, I have this, but I had no idea. And looking back at my experience with education, it was horrible. I'm, I would come home crying. I right. would have the most anxiety before a test. And right, would, of course. You know what I mean. <laughs> and I would just feel like the dumbest person in the room. I'm like, why is this working for everyone and it's not working for me? And <laughs> right. it's like how we we're just failing so many young blossoming minds because they learn differently. So we have. So there's your feeling. So you're a doer feeler. Yeah, you're feel so you're feeling with empathy and um so here I'm going to dovetail that. My brain literally only focuses on people like us because people like or people like you I should say with more empathy than me or more inclusion because people like you help everyone else. I never think about everyone else. I think about people like us that can help everyone else and then People like you help everyone else. That's how I help everyone else. So what are you trying to help people with? Again, purpose of my life is to be connecting superhero for every mm-hmm. visionary who shares their stories with the world. That's it. So mm-hmm. I'm either spending time with a stabilizing human, really smart, beautiful mm-hmm. wife, or and, my, and our two uh, young maniac pioneer, <laughs> maniacs a compliment, entrepreneur children, they're, they're nine and 10, or talking to people like us and connecting them. And I hear the same problem. I hear the same problem. We're tired of being best secret. We want to be more news media connected to people like us to create more validity and credibility. And I need to talk to people who understand what I'm talking about. So all I do is talk to people who understand what we're talking about. And then I just connect them to other people like that. So that's, that's what I hear. I, I've heard that my whole life because we're aliens. And so I just connect aliens to aliens and then Aliens help everyone else. They help humans. The EQ bit is interesting. So I, a while back, Eric and I did this neurofeedback program out in mm. Arizona. Mm-hmm. And by like they take your, you have your intake and they do IQ and EQ in the beginning. And then they do it at the end of the week. You took your IQ? I think it was some kind of IQ test. But we've, we talked about this where I feel that those aren't necessarily very accurate because if you are neurodivergent, it's not going to necessarily like, like it's not going to reflect that. So I took one for this intake for this health program, Eric and I are on a wait list for, and they only work with certain kinds of clients. So they do a whole background check on you before you come in. And one of the assessments was IQ. And for some reason I scored higher than Eric did. That doesn't surprise me at all. It surprises me. And I don't necessarily, I don't agree with the results because he is smarter than me. He just, that does nothing to IQ's pattern recognition. And I feel like he's probably better at that as well. It's, so he has ADD and he occasionally right. will take medicine for it. It um, it can affect the way that he functions. So right. if he is neurodivergent, then those IQ tests are not made for people with it that are divergent of any any proclivity. Like you have to have like a very stereotypical mind to take that test. So I feel, I don't know, like how accurate can it be? And they didn't give us the scores. They just kind of showed us a bar and there was like red, we don't take you and green, you're perfect candidate. And um, Okay, well, I, I can yeah. give you. <laughs> so if both of you are not 
Okay. So 140 and above is uh, genius. That's less than 1% of the population. The lowest IQ of anyone I've talked to in the last two years is 128. For a human, that's still still pretty smart. The highest I've talked to is 173. That person was not a human in it. There's, they're like a cyborg. Um, that person has a normal human girlfriend. He won't even go out in public with her because he's he can't. He just can't do it. When you get over 160, there's like no human understanding. Though people like that are it's very tough to have a family. I would guess. Well, I would guess both of you are um, over 140, maybe over 150. I don't think you're over 160. That that's good, by the way. And then um, my wife and I are hilariously both 139, so we're bridges between genius and human. But I'm I'm actually glad that's like a perfect score for actually for purpose of life because I can I can bridge between genius and human. But um, again, most of the people I talk to are ADD, diagnosed or undiagnosed, and most of them are over 140. Okay, I mean, so they they could take the test and it's still. Oh relaxed. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. They're. <laughs> yeah, and it's those the um, those the four things: the um, ADD, Asperger's, dyslexia, and then high IQ, EQ. I've talked to two people that were all four. That was amazing. I never thought I'd meet someone who was all four of those. I mean, that is That's a lot. Oh my God. And then one of them was a 10 quick start. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and then he also had, he was all four of the um, bankruptcy, potential bankruptcy, depression, trauma, and anxiety. And so he's started a foundation. I'll say this in general, but he's started a foundation to help with suicide awareness. And he's partnering with like top bands and musicians on planet. That would make sense. That is a logical, <laughs> that's a logical thing for his all both all fours that would make perfect sense mm-hmm. yeah well i guess where i was going so after the neurofeedback is yeah. your eq will go up significantly it's something that within a week mm. you can gain several points like even up right. to like 10 points on it just from essentially practicing meditation right and like purposefully getting into an alpha or theta or good ritual that's a good ritual absolutely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so i think it, if you're low in that, it's probably easier to raise your EQ than it would be for your IQ, even though your IQ is supposed to go up by a couple of points also by the end of the mm. week. Good. That's good t- context. Thanks for telling me that. I, again, like what I have seen is someone either has the EQ and or IQ. And then uh, I have not done research in this, um, but uh Multiple genius entrepreneurs have told me about it. There's a new thing called XQ experience quotient. And -hmm. if you have the IQ and EQ, you can create the experience quotient, which I think is actually similar to EQ, but but maybe not. Yeah, it does Um, seem like they'd be in the same realm. And then I've heard of so adaptability quotient as well. So we Mm. do this training every so often. Eric's gone more than I do, but it's Essentially, like psychology mixed with real life stress- stressors and situational awareness. So they'll use combat, close quarters com- combat mm. with like fighting and ammunition. Mm. And then like, let's say you, you're doing target practice and you're running through this obstacle and you miss the last one every single time. Well, they'll figure out how that reflects in your day to day life. Like, why do you always miss on the execution? And then so they measure your AQ, like how can you adapt under stress? And they try to like 
I mean, he, the guy basically was trying to drown someone <laughs> during one of the trainings. Perfect. And, like, is, like, submerging them. And it's, like, how well can you think under, like, the most immense physical amount of stress? And then, again, related right. to day-to-day life, which is fucking fascinating. That makes and, perfect sense. I mean, so, yeah, my fa- – shot down in an airplane, World mm-hmm. War II, without a parachute many times. You just got back into a plane. The uh, uh, in a couple weeks, I'm taking my our, our sons are um, they're both nine quick start two follow through pure pioneers, and I'm taking them uh, Asian carp fishing with a bow and arrow. Oh my um, gosh! So the Asian, yeah, right, right, yeah. So they jump out of the water, and then you shoot them with a bow and arrow. When we're really excited, we're really um, and then uh, I took them a couple months ago to the movie Cocaine Bear. Um, this is actually this. Does this will make sense? So, and it will explain things. But so, cocaine bear. That's for a human child. That is not a movie. To, but so we're <laughs> we're laughing. You know, we're laughing hysterically. For those who don't know, it's about a bear that I guess it's based on a true story. It found some cocaine and then it started killing people. Like, and so we're, um, we we were laughing at it hysterically. And then my ten year old brought a uh, his ten year old friend who's a really good kid but he you know he's a human and then the 10 his friend is crying you know shirt over his face so we had to leave the we had to leave the theater but like for for us and i told his parents i go this is a very violent movie are you sure you want him to go and they're like yeah it's okay but um but it wasn't okay um and but that's the difference like the you know it's the difference between the hunter brain and the and the farmer brain like that's what it that's what it is so you think that there is just probably even millions of years worth of data that makes some people okay with that stressor and that violence. So like you if you do have a hunter brain, you're not going to be overwhelmed by something like that. No. I mean, no no no. Okay, so um one of the chap okay, talk is meaningless to me. It's it's meaningless. So 2 years ago my wife and I uh went to lunch. So we go to lunch like every Wednesday and or Thursday. And uh, so where we live is, I mean, one of the safest places on the planet, knock on wood. But anyway, uh, so we were going to lunch and we pulled into a parking spot and uh, I got out of the car and then I looked behind me um, and then there was a guy uh, laying in a pool of blood. <laughs> like, so don't, you don't usually see that in my neighborhood, but uh, um, was a journalist for 20 years in Chicago and that area. So, you know, witnessed and and reported on shootings and all that stuff. Um, so, so I yelled at the guy. I'm like, Hey, have you been shot? Which is something in my neighborhood. You don't, (laughs) you don't ask that. And then, and then, um, he goes, yeah. And then there was a guy in the car with him who, who said, yeah, my friend's been shot. And then that guy got into the car and drove away. I was like, that was interesting. But anyway, so then there were, um, there were a bunch of people staring at it and I'm, I'm yelling at the people. I go, you cannot go. You got to get away from the bot. He wasn't dying. He wasn't dead. He was dying though. I go, you got to, you don't go near. He called 911 because one, the guy with the gun that left could have come back and shot him. There could have been another guy in the parking lot that would have, you know, finished the job. And, but most people were just, they were staring there like sheep. They had no idea what was going on, but I like immediately instinctively just knew. I mean, I just, I just knew it. And then my wife, it was very interesting too, because she's a doctor. She she wanted to rush in and help, and I told her, "No, you can't. You can't go over there because I you're not going to get you're not going to get killed for this. You're not going to do that." So it was like it's very interesting to see how you know ninety nine percent of the world 
just stared like deer in the headlights. And then my wife who's trained to, you know, help. And then me, I'm like, it's just genetically in my blood to understand people getting shot and blood and chaos. And like, here's how to actually lead this situation. Yeah, it's interesting. They say almost the more people that are there, there's this disbursement of responsibility. So you push it off onto someone else and you assume that they're going to pick it up. So then it's not your it's not up to you. And I just had a story pop into my mind when you were telling that that hasn't come to me since it happened. So I Mm. was probably eight and a half months pregnant i was super pregnant so it was over like last last summer (laughs) and eric was away for um i think he might have been in abundance actually but he was he he was gone (laughs) and it's the dead of heat in the south and i'm you know Uh walking around and i have my crop top on and some leggings and (laughs) the the ac guy comes over we're getting like a new hvac system put in because we bought an old Uh house so the guy comes over with his 18 year old son and they're supposed to be installing stuff on the roof and i'm like okay and i have my toddler with me and it's nap time and Mm -hmm. um all of a sudden like i'm getting my my toddler ready to wind down someone knocks on the door i'm like well that's weird it's his son his son comes um and he just blank stare like no emotion whatsoever and he's like um my dad fell off the roof Mm -hmm. and i was like is he okay? And he goes, I don't know. I was like, okay. did you try to talk to him? He's like, he's not responding. I'm like, did you okay. call Did you call 911? And he's like, no, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, oh that's step one. So I had to grab my child, throw him into the crib. So he's right. crying because I didn't want him to see ambulances or whatever. Yeah. I had no idea what I was walking out to. Right. Yeah. I go out. There was a met like a, um, like almost like a step and he had hit his head on it. So okay. he's laying there, eyes wide open, right. blood everywhere, right. not responsive, not moving. And okay. I, uh, he's not even blinking. So right. I have to go over and um, I like feel his pulse. I feel that he's moving. I had to go right. inside, grab a towel. I'm giving it to his son. I'm like, you need to hold this on like his wound. Don't move his neck. Calling 911. <laughs> All in the like this waddling around, like massively pregnant. And I'm just... I'm not reacting. I'm just responding to everything. All the paramedics come and I'm like, I had to clean up everything. That's what people don't realize. When accidents like this happen, like you have to clean it up. So there's this coagulated blood everywhere that now me eight eight and a half months, I'm, you know, scrubbing off of the cement in 110 degree weather. And his son is just sitting there like a deer. Right. And he's 18. Right. So I was. That's not going to change. Flabbergasted. <laughs> That's Fla- humans. <laughs> I was like, "How aren't you? Re- how do you not have the AQ?" He's a human. No, he's human. To, to dial nine one one, and I called Eric, and I was like, "Honestly, I've never been in a situation like this in my life. Like, thank right. God the guy lived, and he's okay. Um, <laughs> it was definitely dicey for a minute. Yeah, but you don't know how you're going to show up in that situation until it happens. And I right. was like, sh- I was shocked. I was just shocked that I was just focused and able to just execute on whatever had to be done. Here's what's interesting about you to me is that you're surprised at yourself all the time. None of this surprises me at all. This is, (laughs) I mean, this is logical. This is what I mean. Like I see the patterns and like, I knew more, I I think I understand you better than maybe you understand yourself with that. Like, of course you're going to, I mean, the trauma and that you've overcome the alt, like you're the ultimate strong and self. I mean, so like that's perfectly 
that's perfectly logical. Like I would, I mean, but that's most humans that would just stare like, can you imagine? this is not funny, but can you imagine like someone close to you that happening and you're just staring and like you knock on someone's no. door, like, but that's most, that's most humans. That's why I don't talk to them because it's a pointless. And so, oh yeah. So one of the, I, I'm not, I haven't written it yet. I'm not going to yet because I'm waiting for the second company to, to take off. But the, um, then the, whenever I write a third book, it'll be called Epic Family, right? Cause like, oh, my wife's like joining the second company and like, it's, you know, I, but family first, like, why wouldn't you do that? But like one of the chapters will be, it'll be something like blame the umpire and other things visionaries don't do. So like uh, our kids are both really good athletes and then they're, um, they're in travel sports and like travel baseball, travel soccer, both really good runners, um, uh, flag football. And then, so you, you have to go out into the human world for these things. Like it's not, it's not all people. In fact, there's no one else like us, really. So you see how humans act, like for hours at a time, and then you know, like you know, ten year old. Ten, it's funny because I'll write a chapter about it. But ten year old baseball, you see the humans blaming an umpire in a ten year old. You know, and then the worst part is that the humans blame the umpire, and then the children of the humans see them blaming the umpire. So then they start to blame the umpire, and then my kids start to blame the umpire. I go, no, 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 no. People with weak mindset blame the umpire. People with strong mindset, the visionary, they take accountability for their own actions. So I'll, I'll turn it into a lesson for them. But it's re- it's hilarious to see how human world works like that. But that's most of the that's most of the world. Like when you go, you know, when you leave your house and go out into whatever you're doing, you, you see how they how they act. But the the deer in the headlights, like that's that's human society. That's what it is. And it's not a bad or good thing. It's just that's just how their brains are. And I feel like this is a great opportunity for people to just introduce calculated risk taking and stress so that they can better handle it if something happens, Mm, whether that's like go into a sauna or jump into an ice bath or go do (laughs) a really serious workout, right? Something that makes you feel like I am, I'm going to die, right? Like I just did the assault bike this morning um, at the gym. <laughs> not eight and a half months pregnant. I no, 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 I am not pregnant. I know. No. But yeah, did the assault bike and I was like, I'm going to die. And sometimes Good. you need a little bit of that to like get out the energy and then be able to yes. deal with customer service or whatever it is that's going to someone cutting you off in traffic and it's not going <laughs> to take everything away from you because you've already worked something out that is much bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's well, calculated risk is the key. Like most people, they never take any risk. They don't even, a 10 quick start will, they don't, they'll do it. You know, um, a nine quick start will almost do anything. An eight quick start Eight and sevens are in the calculated risk area. When you get below a seven, very, 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 very little risk. Uh, Five-year goal is on our vision board upstairs. I guess it would be four years from now. I want to swim with uh, great, right, great white sharks in a cage. That'll be fun. What? That is yeah, not a calculator. There it is. You're in, you You're in no, a cage. No, 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 no. Did you see that video with the guy in the plexiglass cage? <laughs> oh, it'll be fine. Yeah, see? Okay. So. <laughs> it was not fine. I'll, I can't wait. I can't wait to do I jumped out of an airplane uh, with a parachute a couple of years ago. They didn't put a... um. They didn't put a helmet on me. The guy who I was strapped to, that he had a helmet on, but I didn't. And then um, our, um, I like I want, the time I'm like truly at peace is like when I'm driving my car really, really fast. Uh, sometimes with children in the car. 
and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. But that's a that's a calculated risk. And I'm safe driver, very focused. But that's actually when I focus the most because mm-hmm. you're like totally focused on the on the task at hand. And so skydiving was totally focused. Driving really fast, really focused. I think shooting the Asian carp with bow and arrow that'll be total focus. That'll be an interesting thing to see how my kids enjoy that as well. That sounds, I want to look that up, but it sounds kind of, it makes me think of that flow state, which is the skills challenge threshold. So you have to get yourself within a threshold in order to achieve that state of flow. But with someone who does have ADD specifically, you do have that chasing a dopamine, chasing a high, chasing a risk tendency. So how do you check in with yourself to make sure that it is a calculated risk? Like, because winning the wrong game. Winning, winning the what wrong game, game are you winning? Yep. Yeah. That's the, I'm putting, oh wait, hold on. I'm putting it in the chat. Oh wait, can I put it in the chat here? Oh wait, I think I can. I'm putting the carp hunter. Uh, oh yeah. Way. Thank you. <laughs> there. There that you sounds go. so cool. <laughs> yes. Wait till you see the site. It'll be, it'll be incredible. So. Yeah. I've really wanted to learn how to use a bow and do archery and I was going to go get fitted and then I got pregnant and it was just not the right season because I was riding. Bad risk. That's a bad risk. That's a bad risk. Yeah. I was doing dressage and the horse that I got actually was trained in hog hunting. So he was, he <laughs> was a beast. I know. Amazing. A horse hunting. Uh, oh God. I could see you. Going in one of those helicopters where they shoot the hogs from the, the boars, air. That yeah. Would, yeah, that'd be fun. That I would yeah. do. Sure. I would you do, would do that. Like that. Yeah, would. I would do that. Yeah. That have you heard of um, uh, uh, nutrias? Those are those giant swamp rats in Louisiana. I want to take the kids that you go on a, one of those airboats and you shoot them. I want oh. to take the kids on that. <laughs> but oh. <laughs> but that would be fun. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, no, the helicopter has always interested me. But yeah, I was like, I'm going to be like Katniss okay. Aberdeen and I'm going to be on my my hog horse with my <laughs> bow. And I just had this whole vision and then I got pregnant. So I was like, I'm not going to, I can't ride a horse anymore right now. And then this is not the time to learn how to use a weapon. So we'll we'll revisit that later. Okay, well, yeah, do you got time. Yeah, so yeah. That, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds fun. Yeah, that sounds amazing. But yeah, I'll look up that, <laughs> <laughs> that car yeah. hunting. I just oh sent gosh. the link. Oh, yeah, you'll love it. Yeah. Let me see what else I had. I I journal before I do these things because sometimes, sometimes I surprise myself and then other times it just takes on its own life, which is usually the best way Agreed. that I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask just selfishly was finding out how to navigate business relationships based off of Colby. So like finding <laughs> someone that makes up for your weak spot. Yes. And then also isn't going to be so combative because you want mm. someone that compliments you, but that's not necessarily an opposite. Oh my God. That's amazing. Okay. I will answer that as concisely and simply as possible, but it requires, a, you know, it requires some in-depth response to that. So those three things that we talked about, those assessments, those assessments, the Colby, the strength finders, and the print. So I'll start with me because that then you'll understand why the pat the partnership works. So I'm an eight six seven one Colby. Okay, my partner is a one five nine six. So one is his fact finder. I use the only one factor I've ever met. Ever met, and then six is his implementer, meaning he can build stuff with his hands. I'm a one implementer. I again, I can barely hold a pencil. Right, so he. He's built the platform. He's full backstage. Perfect. 
Strength finders. My partner is competition maximizer empathy. So competition maximizer, he's going to win big at the highest level, but he's empathy three. Empathy. I am dead last in empathy. For people like us, endless empathy. My partner is empathy for he has empathy for empathy, um, <laughs> which is a so that's collaborative. It's collaborative. Print is I'm an eight three, strong and self reliant, succeed and achieve. My partner, Mark Fujiwara, he's a three eight. Succeed and achieve strong and self reliant. So consciously we're collaborative, collaborative, mm-hmm. unconsciously collaborative. We have the same unconscious motivators. It's collaborative. Mm. And then he he collaboratively helps me with with my, I guess, weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Well, empathy, now he's you know, great. Talk to Mark. Empathy. empathy you know, so or build something, talk to Mark. Backstage something, talk to Mark. And then with personal, which is now actually turned into business, which I never expected, but this is what happens. Uh, when you have the right mindset, it attracts the right network and, and creates right opportunities. But so my Colby again, eight, six, seven, one, my wife is eight, seven, four, two. So she has lower quick start, but higher follow through, higher follow. Her number one strength finder is harmony. Harmony. I mean, I, I still like, I can't even understand. I'm 31 out of 34 in harmony, 31. So again, collaborative harmony. She's second in relator, but third in achiever, as am I. I'm an achiever third. So she achieves. She wants to achieve. She just does it with harmony and, harmony and relation. I do it with activation and maximizing. I just do it. And then, oh, harmony, joy, woo. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then um, um, and by the way, she's brought harmony and relation uh, as a bridge between uh, me and my partner, Mark. She's brought harmony and relation. So that's collaborative. And then print unconscious. I'm eight three. Go go. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. And then my wife is uh, needed and appreciated and safe and secure. So she is. I'm in a, endless, endlessly grateful for that. She taught me how to say thank you. She taught me how to be uh, appreciative of her constantly. And then um, she's made me feel safe and secure. Her safety and security and harmony has been somewhat absorbed into me. And then she has. A more interesting life now. She's she's phasing out of pediatrics to become COO of second company. She never would have done that if she had not married someone like me. She never would have done that. She would have constantly wanted to be safe and secure, but now she's taking more chances in life. So that's how it's done. Again, from a really a life perspective, I don't even really say, like saying business, but to me, it's just a, a collaborative life with business being a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's beautiful because I feel like a lot of times when we want something, especially if we're younger and like in the building phase, we don't necessarily Mm. think of the second and third order of consequences of going into business Mm. with someone and you don't go over principles or values or long-term vision. You're just like, oh, you have the capital. I have this idea. Let's do it. And that's kind of Mm. the end of the conversation. That's a material thing. Yeah. mm -hmm, And you then all of a sudden you're adult and you realize you are nowhere on the same page. The business gets stuck because one person wants it to be like safe, secure, and stagnant and the other person has like this idea to expand and you're just never going to see eye to eye. Well, one that's that's tremendous. And um how you describe that, I would say it's a it's a business partnership, not a um it's just not. So like um Donald Miller, like I don't remember what the book is called. He's written a bunch of them, but 
in one of the books, in one of the books, he talks about writing uh, your own eulogy. Mm-hmm. And at first I'm like, eh, I don't know. But then I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. Um, and uh, so I wrote it and uh, look at look at it every now and then. But first it, it thanks my wife for giving me a life. And then it said like, um, and then my children, but mostly my wife. Um, and then it, it was like, you know, I tried to be a good dad and husband first. And then sometimes I got into a lot of trouble because I'm impulsive, which that would make sense with a, a quick start activator. And then it also thanked uh, partner uh, Mark Fujiwara for a lifelong friendship, a friendship. And then the the byproduct of that was a successful global, global company that connected visionaries who created things for everyone else. But I think having that lifetime perspective of the same values the same values and a partnership perspective is far, it's just far different. It's totally different, totally different than material. And again, brain turns everything to patterns, everything. So business owners, humans, biz, you know, whatever that world is, uh, they care about revenue, office space, employee, employee count, the thing that you just said, like, oh, here's my idea. Here's the capital to do it. Uh, so they're trying to change their world there. A true visionary, they care about purpose, spending time with loved ones, collaborating, and they're trying to change the world, the. So it's a it's a fundamental difference between the world people and, and their world. It's just most people aren't the world people. They're, they're trying to change their world, and then the world people are already changing the world, or they will do whatever it takes to become one of those people. They won't make an excuse. They'll get back into a plane uh, without a parachute after another one's been shot down. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the best investment you've made in yourself? Well, that that's a redundant question because it's in, it's it's investing in yourself. So that's a that's such a good question because like so I see these these Facebook groups and like someone will ask what's the what's the uh what's the best investment you can make? And then I know when someone's a business owner they're like, "Oh, new technology or an employee or like a virtual assistant or whatever that is." Uh, that's just like business owner stuff. And then I always write, "Oh, invest in yourself." I mean, you just invest in yourself. And then so I just keep making bigger investments to be in smaller rooms, but the people in those rooms are making bigger impacts. So if you want to call those networking groups or entrepreneur groups, so Bigger investment, smaller room, people in those rooms are making bigger impact. That allows me to spend biggest investment in smallest room, which is my family, uh, where I can make the most impact. So it's the same formula, but everything to me is about spending more time with my family. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's one. And then if you're not a litmus test for people you serve, that's hypocrisy. So how can you expect people to make bigger investments in you and your companies if you're not making bigger investments in yourself? I mean, that would be, that's illogical. You can't, I mean, you guess you can, but how can you expect people to invest in what you're doing if you're not investing in yourself, making bigger investments in yourself? It's totally illogical. So which room has, I mean, obviously taking aside family, because I feel like that should hopefully be everyone's answer, but aside from like (laughs) your, hopefully, aside from that room, which room has been like the Mm. most inspiring for you so far? Well, I mean, I think. Uh, one, the reason why we're talking is because, um, well, one, I don't believe in randomness, but uh, your husband and I met in Abundance 360. Uh, that's for those who can't see, that's the hat I'm wearing. And then Dr. Peter did, Dr. Peter Diamandis, who runs that group, he wrote the forward for Epic Life. I'm very grateful for that. He doesn't usually do that. So I'm very grateful he 
he did that. Um, so, you know, I mean, people like you and your husband uh, and me, we're like the average human being in that room, um, which I don't say that lightly. I mean, it's 400 of people like us. So certainly Abundance 360 Summit. Um, the other group I spend a lot of time in is a Strategic Coach. Uh, very confident saying that's one of the top, if not the top entrepreneur groups in the world. Uh, Dan Sullivan and Bab Smith co-founded that. One of the chapters in Epic Life is find your Babs or have your Babs find you. I always call my partner Mark Babs because I think it's funny, but he's the, <laughs> he's the backstage genius who's going to build the company. Strategic coach without Babs, there is no, there is no strategic coach. So those two groups, um, I spend a, a great deal of, of time in because it's it's uh, it's rooms where um, not only uh, do the people understand what I'm talking about, but I like to be the dumbest person in the room, and those are the rooms I can really learn, really learn something. That's where the true learning. How are you able to, I guess maybe like put your ego aside or like not have that sense of competition because some people want to always be the smartest person. No, 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 and, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. So that, that's <laughs> right. So you're asking that for your audience, which I appreciate. I appreciate that. A true visionary would never want to be the smartest person. They would, they would find another room. So that's why you keep making bigger investments to be in smaller rooms, but the people in those rooms are making bigger impacts. And because they're making bigger impacts, I want to be in the room where I'm making the least impact because that propels me to make more impact, more impact, more. Impact. You, you never, you never stop. You never stop. But um, and then there's a huge difference between arrogance and confidence. So uh, visionaries are confident knowing that they're great at one or two, maybe three things. And then they're terrible at, at almost everything else. An arrogant person thinks they're great at everything. The arrogant person wants to be the smartest person in the room. The confident person wants to be the dumbest or one of the dumbest or at least midline because um, they're confident that they're great at one or two or three great things. And then they can actually learn from the other people, the other confident people in those rooms that are great at one or two or three great things. And then again, those are the world. Those are the world people. Those are the world. Our conversation about politics just popped back into my head. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. Well, that's well, com that's the opposite of the rooms I'm in. It's the I, opposite. I think that's the problem too, right? It's I ignore it. Nothing I can do. It's a, it's a pointless conversation. They're not going to do anything. So I just ignore it. I'd ignore it. Yeah. Well, it's how do, you, how do you bring vision and change into something that has been so stagnant and self-serving? Oh, I ignore it. Yeah, I pretty much everything. Yeah. So I guess the answer is probably... We have a lot of people that have resources and influence, and hopefully they're able to fund maybe certain people. I don't know. I don't know. But oh, when you, it, no idea. It, yeah, it felt very discouraging when you're like, there's just no vision there. I was like, well, hopefully there is some, or hopefully there will be some because that affects so much of our day to day life. Oh, yeah. So good. That's a great point. Um, I never, I never focus on any of it. I just, so like, um, I, basically, what a visionary will do is they'll create their own world, their own economy, their own network, uh, their own infrastructure, their own purpose. So I just, I just, I just ignore it. Um, and regardless of the policies or whatever in place, you just I was when I was on Brackman, uh, Doctor Brackman's show, he's like, "But you know, it's 
you know, it's their world. It's their, I'm like, well, I just created my own world. And then again, it's fun going out into the human world sometimes with the youth, the youth baseball thing. Cause you know, you have to go out there sometimes, but no, I mean, for the most part, I just talk to people like us and, and connect them and then ignore, you know, 99.9% of society. I just, I just ignore it because those people are taking time away from taking time away from me and my family. I, it's a pointless conversation. And I, and I appreciate you saying you're discouraged. I'm not discouraged by it because I just ignore it. Well, that seems a lot more peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it is. I don't, I mean, for me it is. And people can do whatever they want. I just choose to just, and it's literally the only vertical I ignore. Um, people are like, so, because uh, like First Company is a global PR firm, but I was a journalist for 20 years and created entire company based on how PR firms annoyed me. So I, I have no idea what PR firms do. They just annoy me. But like, they're like, so do you care what somebody does? I go, no, it doesn't matter where they're located. It doesn't matter what they do. doesn't matter how big company is. That's meaningless. It's like, are you a visionary? Do you live in abundance? Do you look at things as investments, not costs? That's, but then I'm like, there is only one vertical. I ignore it. That's politics. I just don't. I don't even think about it ever unless you bring it up. But then I then I'm like, oh, I just I don't even think about it. Yeah, because when you talk about visionary, I think the poster child for that is an Elon Musk. Hundred like percent. Yeah. Right. He is he is an alien amongst humans. He's the and- alien <laughs> and he's one of the few people I can think of that has far less empathy than I do. And I don't say that light. He has no empathy. And that's fine. But like no no none. Zero empathy. Really? Zero. Oh, he, no, zero empathy. No, 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 because he doesn't care. Like he does not care. So like I have endless empathy for people like us. He has no, I mean, I've been on multiple shows where people have told me that they're like, oh, you're like Elon Musk with a little more empathy. I'm like, oh, thank you. I I think, but like, (laughs) no, he doesn't care. And he has a singular purpose and that's great. I'm very grateful for that. But I, I do not want to be like that. That is not, that is not. I'm I'm glad like his IQ's got to be. What do you think his IQ is? Over 180? You think it's over 200? Is there a cap? Like, does the test? No, I don't think so. I, there was like um, the highest I think that's ever been reported is like 230 something. I can look that up. But I, yeah. he's definitely over 160. I mean, that's not even. I feel like he's probably immeasurable. Let's see. I don't feel like that test would not. Marilyn Vassavant. That's the highest IQ. St. Louis, Missouri. And her last name was Savant. Maybe that's where the term <laughs> Savant came from. Probably. That's hilarious. We both just learned something. Yeah, that's what I like. To... Oh, here's someone that says they had an IQ of 263. Oh, God, that sounds horrible. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe I, I feel like I see empathy with him and his interactions and even the acquisition of Twitter and him. do I guess where I was going with that is you have a pure visionary, like someone who literally is trying to make the human species multiplanetary. And then he even got down in the mud with politics because, you know, social media was getting so crazy and so censored and he saw how it was affecting so many people. So he, he just bought Twitter, you know, and I think he did that with a lot of really good intention for people to, create change and to have some kind of positive impact on the political, the way that we're doing politics right now and the way that we're exchanging ideas. And I mean, hopefully it works. Okay. You're going to get me to do this and that's fine. That that's what it will take. So like to, for, to change something like that. So like, um, 
okay, let's just call politics a vertical, okay? Yeah. Or, and then let's, because let, I see the world in numbers. So let's, let's compare, poli- we're going to do, I'm going to do this uh, for you and your audience right now. I'm, I'm doing this. I am uh, morphing my brain for one second because usually I see the world. And, uh, th- you're welcome. Uh, thanks. Well, uh, then, okay. So in Colby world, again, K-O-L-B-E, so like a doctor who's a doctor, that's like an 8822. So that's like a, a two quick start, playing not to lose, afraid to make changes with an eight follow through. So they'll just do the same thing over and over and over and over. And then it, the first eight is a fact finder. So like fact, fact, learn, learn, but not actually taking action. So I never talk to a doctor who's a doctor unless it's my wife or her friends. But I will talk to a visionary who runs uh, a healthcare company. I never talk to a lawyer who's a lawyer. That would be the worst conversation ever. But I do talk to an entrepreneur visionary who happens to run a law. I will never talk to a CPA financial person uh, um, unless I have absolutely no choice because they ask me the same questions every quarter and they don't understand what I'm saying. But I will talk to a visionary entrepreneur who happens to run a massive financial practice. Okay. So I totally ignore politics. However, a true visionary, a true visionary who could potentially, I mean, this is, I would never even think about this unless you kept bringing it up, but a true visionary who could literally change the entire landscape of politics, that's somebody I maybe might talk to maybe but that's mm-hmm. what it, it would take someone it would take a nine or ten quick start multiple ones of them because most politicians have a law background like it's in the united states actually in most of the free speaking world they're they're lawyers who become politicians so those are eight eight two twos they're not running law firms they're lawyers that became politicians so they're they're not playing to win they're playing not to lose and then they're literally trained in arguing winning mm-hmm. their argument not collaborating it's the opposite so this is a struggle for me to do wow this. but that's what it is i mean that's what it it's that's lawyers so who are arguing fascinating to i again with a pattern recognition like duh of course so if you well, have that's what all it is why would you focus on that it's a nightmare well, why would you want people whose whose profession is arguing and playing not to lose to be because it's humans voting for humans? Ugh. That's what it is. <laughs> you just broke it all down. It That's what it is. Sense. You so I don't talk to humans. If you look at elections, it's humans. It's it's. I mean, this is funny, right? But that's what it is. It's commercials appealing to humans who stare when they knock on someone's door and their dad is basically dead. Hey, what do I need to vote for? <laughs> oh. I mean, that's what it is. So why would I, why would I focus on that? But that's what most of the world is. <laughs> so it's a human voting for a human who's trying to control humans. <laughs> that's uh. what it is. <laughs> yeah, so I guess you have to try to hope that someone with that is a visionary feels like they have no choice but to throw their hat in the ring and for the sake of of shaking the entire thing up, not someone who wants to go there for argument's sake or to win or to not lose or self-serving or their world, like they're making their world better or or their life better instead of the collective. Yeah. It's a mess. 
Not my world. No. <laughs> no. That was funny though. So hopefully that hopefully that context helped. And you did help me think about it, like why I ignore it at a even higher level. But no, it's pretty simple to just ignore it. It can be. And then I think <laughs> sometimes when you just see so much nonsense, you're like, this is insane. And I think that's probably what happened with Elon, where he's like, this makes no sense. I have to do something. Like right. I have to do something to even out the scales because right now it is so imbalanced. And this just is not working for most people. Most people just don't even know that it's not working for them. They go onto social media and they're like, this oh, is reality. Right. Well, humans do you, but the, um, there's one board that I joined. Um, there's only, it, because I, you know, I believe in it. So it's called the wildlife foundation and, uh, basic, I, I'm not a financial person. I, I don't really understand the intricacies, but like, so basically the foundation and there will be major capital and ma- major players behind this. So I'm very grateful to be on the board, but like it will buy land from the rancher or whoever owns the land, repurpose a good part of the land for like conservation purposes. And then um, there'll be like tax credits or something. So like they're, you know, like major thousands upon thousands of, of, of really important land in the United States. And it'll help like grizzly bears and elk and wolves. And so basically we're like creating our own, um, our own uh, ecosystem and um conservation space like but we're just it's you know we're just doing it so that's how like people like us can really affect change um without politics at all i mean it has nothing to do with politics mm-hmm. yeah just go through the private sector which seems right. to make way more sense anyways 100 percent. yeah mm-hmm well, Justin, this was amazing. I love your brain and I love the, I love your mission. Where can people uh, follow you and buy your book and anything you. that you might be working on that you want to let the listeners know about? I can't wait to listen to this again to hear <laughs> how your brain... No, because like, that's how I actually... I'm like, oh man, wow, that was really fascinating to hear that. But the book is called uh, Epic Life. Again, very grateful, Dr. Peter Diamandis, uh, who's one of Elon's best friends, by the way. He wrote the foreword. Um, he interviews Elon all the time. And then again, that's Abundance 360. That's how I uh, met your husband. So very grateful for that intro from, uh, for us from him. Um, so Epic Life, it's all over the world. And then um, I guess the main site is brepicllc.com, B-R-E-P-I-C-L-L-C.com. Well, awesome. Thank you again. It was wonderful having you. Tremendous, tremendous interview. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode of Chatting with Candace. If you enjoyed the podcast or you know someone that might, please share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to leave that five-star review. And I didn't even mean to rhyme there, but I did. Kind of cute. <laughs> See you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.